0: About two to three years later, I did one called Lone Star Picnic. And it's like uh, two Lone Star cans on a red picnic cloth with a basket. And it's got like an open condom wrapper. And that, that condom wrapper, (laughs) that little addition was like what made me realize like, oh, wow, I can like this one little thing can change the whole story. It can be the story. And that sort of just hold me into this path that i'm on now where it's like i'm just back to you know this was my songwriter self in the visual art version of telling stories and you know just going on that way and then and and then i after that i mean i never really wanted to, to paint abstract work again i kind of sort of blend it the process into what i do now and you can you can kind of see it but yeah i'm very much what I'd consider to be a narrative painter for the most part.
1: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 249th episode, I'm excited to share this interview with Gabe Langholz, who spoke with me from Austin, where he lives and works, and we talk all about that. He moved there initially as a musician, and we talk a bit about that background as a songwriter and guitarist, and how that influences his current work, which explores a lot of narratives. Oddly enough, he began as an abstract geometric painter and that slowly evolved and you can see it in some of his works as there are a number of different patterns and flatness to it we talk about how those works slowly became representational and more and more evolved and we talk about some of the techniques and processes and especially the humor that's involved in his paintings there's a lot of them that build that narrative in a humorous way and so we talk all about that coming up in the interview so stay tuned. Be sure to check out Gabe's website. That's GabeLangholz.com. There's plenty of stuff up there. And, of course, links to his social media so that you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter and a number of other places. Gabe Langholz Art. Gabe has a two-person exhibition with Karen Lederer at Hashimoto Contemporary in New York that opens March 20th through April 10th by appointment. So definitely check that out if you're in New York. If you're catching Studio Break for the first time, I just want to encourage you to visit studiobreak.com. We've got a bunch of different artists up there, and you can check them all out. Each of those interviews have images of the artist's artwork and links to their websites. There's a healthy archive that you can go scroll back through, so definitely dive deep as there's almost 250 interviews there. If you're social, join us on social media and follow Studio Break. Like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break. And, of course, be sure to follow on Instagram at studio underscore break. And, of course, you can find me at David Linaway, so be sure to say hello. And that's it for our intro. Let's get to this interview with Gabe Langholtz. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. Gabe Langholtz, how are you doing this afternoon?
0: Uh, i'm doing great david how are you
1: excellent i am very excited to have you on now that apparently the uh, weather conditions have changed quite a bit since last week in in austin so i'm glad that you're you know able to stay warm hopefully
0: yeah definitely staying warm we uh, got up into the 70s yesterday and it's uh, it's approaching there right now today so uh, we're back to texas weather for sure
1: that's got to be a relief. So uh, good news, right? Every hundred years, there's a a storm that takes everything out or just drastically changes things. I'm assuming some of that might feed some new painting ideas. Um, you know, I'd love to start out by talking a little bit about, you know, your background and, you know, especially were were you interested in making a lot of things when you were younger?
0: Um, not really. I mean, I was pretty imaginative as far as, you know, like playing with action figures and stuff. I kind of, would bloody them up (laughs) a little bit, you know, to make the figures look wounded in war and stuff like that. But beyond that, no, I didn't really like to draw or anything. So
1: were there other things that you were kind of interested sports, uh, music, anything like that growing up?
0: Not sports so much. I was into skating and stuff like that when that was big, Mm -hmm. you know, I was born in 71. So grew up in the eighties and, uh, you know, kind of went to college in the nineties. Really. I think music was my passion. It started Like my real artistic first passion was writing, Mm -hmm. just like poetry and stuff. And as you know, I got better at that, then I started to learn play guitar and all all that writing stuff kind of turned into songwriting. And I kind of did that in my late teens through my 20s, singer, songwriter and bands and stuff. That's actually what brought me to Austin area.
1: So where are you originally from then?
0: Uh, Abilene, Texas, mostly my dad was military so we hopped around a little bit when i was young but he he was retiring by the time i was 12 in abilene so you know i'm mostly from abilene except i think now i moved to austin in 94 so i've, I've now spent probably half my life here in
1: austin right right well and obviously a big music uh city you know i've never had the uh <laughs> fortune of visiting but you know that's obviously something that is you know well known about austin is the music so i'd imagine that kind of Allowed you a lot of opportunities to explore that there?
0: Yeah, certainly. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we played a lot of the cool clubs, which have all seemed to close. <laughs> sure. I, I make a joke that every club <laughs> I played at closed, David. <laughs> I don't know if that has anything to do with me. But... <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, it was fun.
1: So you mentioned, you know, studying college. What did, what did you study? And, and, you know, were you always kind of interested then in writing and, and making music during that experience?
0: Yeah, no, I wasn't even interested in college. You know, I kind of went. I didn't actually even finish. Mm-hmm. I was kind of studying psychology, but I wasn't really into it. I was gonna, I was determined. I was gonna be a rock star. So <laughs> that didn't work out. But <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, interesting anecdote that I haven't been able to share since the pandemic. But my neighbor has a Marshall Lead Moff Set stack that he's selling. Out of his apartment window, he's just got like a flyer that's like eight fifty, and then there's just the stack, and it's just super awkward. But, anyways, if you're if you're looking to to get back a a nice uh, double cabinet setup, I can hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Uh, what about you? I mean, you play, right?
1: Yeah, I, d- I do, but I haven't, you know, ever. I'd never think of myself as somebody that has really studied that. You know, like I, I. It's funny because I'm not. You know, I don't think of myself as a representational painter, but I, um, feel like I've slowly like acknowledged that I am and in a, a weird way. Like making music is like, I don't even, I, you know, I feel like embarrassed about it. It's very weird, but I guess we got that in common. Um, I guess to turn it back to you, when did you start getting into painting? Did you eventually kind of like lose, uh, steam in terms of writing and become interested in something else? I mean, what, what kind of drew you to painting?
0: It came to me after I fell out of love with music. And for me, like what I discovered about music is it was not very creative. Mm -hmm. There was like little moments of creativity where you're writing the song, Mm -hmm. you know, and then maybe you're being creative with the band as you're developing into what that song's going to sound like as an orchestrated Mm -hmm. piece. But then beyond that, I ended up playing the same song. Over and over in clubs, right? You're always rehearsing it in practice over and over. and it just, I mean, it, in a visual arts term, it's like painting the same exact painting over <laughs> and over and over. Eventually, it gets old and you don't even like the song anymore. <laughs> and then I just didn't like music, and so I, I thought I was going to become a corporate guy because mm-hmm. I, I do, I do have a job. It's just like, okay, I'm going to head down, give up on being creative, and just you know follow my corporate life. Uh, that lasted for about 5 years and then uh <laughs> and then I started dabbling with paints next to, I had toddlers at the time so it's kind of finger painting with them and stuff and I, I had picked up paints before just you know as a drinking sort of pastime mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but never <laughs> never really thought anything about like being a painter or making even a good painting, more just like pushing paint around. But
1: Sure. It's interesting for me to think about like that idea, you know, relative to music because I always think of music as something, you know, you're performing live, you have this connection to like an audience in a way that's obviously really unique, but that repetition absolutely has to kind of get stale a little bit in terms of the creative process. So And I guess to kind of go back to those kind of early experiences you were talking about finger painting. What kind of led you into kind of making I guess your first uh, quote unquote air quotes your effort, you know, in terms of like, Oh wow, this is this is something that's cool. I could kind of pursue this. This is fun.
0: I think it was just kind of trial and error and discovery and seeing cool things that you, I'm, I'm, you know, even as music, I'm sort of, I was self-taught. So it's I have an experimental nature to me. So I would mm-hmm. try different things, different abrasion techniques. Just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of making it up. But of course they all turned out to be, things that painters do. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it made it real interesting and fun. And so I kept exploring and then as I, you know, and then I started just going to the bookstore and looking at art books and discovering people's work. And, you know, that helps <laughs> when you're seeing people's work. It's inspiring.
1: And I'd imagine still, you know, you had to be somewhat exposed to, you know, really well-known artists, I'm sure. But, Kind of taking on that search and kind of discovery for yourself, were there any ones that kind of stand out early on that you were like, wow, this is cool?
0: My first exposure to art was pretty minimal beyond like Picasso and then Mm -hmm. a bunch of Texas blue bonnet paintings, which didn't do anything for me. Picasso, I liked but you know, he was the only one I knew, Van Gogh. But Mm -hmm. I think for me, like early on, it was things that I could sort of understand to um Ocean Park series made a lot of sense to me. Just mm-hmm. I understand it differently now that I understand painting. Mm-hmm. It was just things that I could take in. And then the first really representational painter that I uh, really liked, I think, was Mary Faden, who's a British modernist. And it's just sort of, there was something, and you see a lot of her influence in my work, but there was something about her work that, Sort of reminded me of Picasso Cubism, but it was sort of playful. And she does a lot of weird drips and washes in her backgrounds, but she's very much a representational painter. I read somewhere where she uh, she kind of developed her style, or the style she's later known for, by painting like uh, theater stage sets, mm-hmm. which are very minimal. If you don't know her work, go check it out. She's pretty great.
1: So so to kind of think about, like, the things that you're interested in painting, what was it when you started? I mean, was it kind of like a, a lot of the still life type imagery or, you know, narrative kind of based paintings that you were kind of more currently making?
0: Not at all, because, like, I'm not a good draftsman. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm better now. But, you know, when I started painting, you, you know, my, in my head is like I can't draw to save my life. You know, I can barely mm-hmm. draw a stick figure. <laughs> so I, I, I started strictly abstract, you know, like, but then I I gravitated into like this abstract geometric abstract painter. Mm -hmm. I needed to organize it. (laughs) It's not that I'm organized, but in my head, I like to organize things. So I I was over controlling it probably, but it it worked out. I mean, I still do that. I, you know, and eventually I think in 20, let's see. So I, I, I really delved into it in 20, 10, probably, you know, like I said, that's when I really started thinking about it seriously. I had painted five years prior to that for about a year and a half Mm -hmm. and it was okay. People would ask me to, you know, make paintings like other artists and I'd just kind of do it because I didn't know any better and I didn't have any vision. But when I came back and wanted to think about it seriously, I was trying to think for myself or so I thought, you know, it's, you know, a lot of demon corn and a lot of, <laughs> I mean, sure, there's a lot of influences is. for sure. There always is, but, um, uh, you know, I was trying to be my own artist.
1: I was going to ask, can you maybe describe an instance where you kind of felt like you were starting to kind of get something that you were really interested in, as opposed to those kind of maybe more initial efforts or earlier efforts where you feel like they were kind of not replicating, but, you know, kind of being too influenced by, you know, those artists that you mentioned.
0: What happened for me as the style started to become the similar reactions that I had to music where it felt the same every time, painting an abstract painting. I mean, the colors were different. Maybe the approach was slightly different. I don't think I was good enough to make it feel interesting to me Mm -hmm. repeatedly. (laughs) And that's, you know, when I started thinking like, there's no difference between me and anyone else. You know, I'm not, I'm not so outstanding that anyone would see my work and go, yeah, that's Gabe Langholz. And I didn't even know that existed. (laughs) Uh, A recent contemporary painter. I don't know if you're familiar with Kate Sable, but yeah, Mm -hmm. she's killing it, man. (laughs) Her work is amazing. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's, that's abstract painting. Like that's her own work. It's awesome. She's doing everything I didn't think could be done. So (laughs) right, right. It's, it's hard to know that you can still be fresh because there's so many people that came before me. So, you know, that's, I think something we all battle (laughs) trying to be original and fresh.
1: Well, and like you were describing, you know, earlier with music, is there, is that kind of like burst of creative energy? And then it kind of becomes like, I'm going to repeat this. And then you're transitioning more to, you know, a lot of work that kind of, you know, can really jump around. So, was there like an initial representative kind of painting or representational painting that sticks out to you that you're like, Oh, that, you know, that was like the beginning. There
0: was one called room with a view, I believe it was called, and it was very Mary Faden-esque, but it was sort of like, I felt like I could get behind this style because, you know, like I said, I wasn't like the greatest draftsman and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is kind of fun. So that, that was the first one, but you know, I would dabble and I was just trying to paint cups and do simple things about two to three years later, I did one called Lone Star Picnic, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, two Lone Star cans on a red picnic cloth with a basket, and then it's got like an open condom wrapper. Mm-hmm. And that, that condom wrapper, <laughs> that little addition was like what made me realize like, oh, wow, I can, like this one little thing can change the whole story. It can be the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that sort of just pulled me into this path that I'm on now, where it's like I'm just back to you know this was my songwriter self in the visual art version of telling stories and you know just going on that way. And then and and then I after that, I mean, I never really wanted to to paint abstract work again. I kind of sort of blend it the Mm -hmm. process into what I do now, and you can you can kind of see it. But yeah, I'm very much. what I'd consider to be a narrative painter for the most part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, obviously as we start talking about and breaking down paintings, everybody should definitely go check out your work. It's gabe.langholtz.com. And again, the one that you're just talking about is, is interesting because you know, there is that still, like you were saying that kind of abstract aspect to it, you know, the picnic table blanket, whatever, you know, has that kind of traditional, you know, kind of stripage going on. And then like you're saying, again, it's interesting how you start kind of forming narratives. I would imagine again that it just kind of allows you to kind of think about these objects that you might have not been thinking about narratively before, if that makes sense. Because a lot of your a lot of your ideas and, and paintings, you know, have all these narratives and they go beyond just like a you know, just like a cup on a table. And especially like, you know, like you're saying, throwing in a condom wrapper is gonna kind of suggest that, that level of narrative.
0: Yeah, it was neat. Once I discovered you could do that, then I'm, I, am I, you know, I've got a notepad and every time I have an idea, I'm like trying to think of a million different things to paint, you know, and mm-hmm. some of them, some of them I come up with off the cuff. A lot of them I have written down and just, you know, wait till I'm bold enough to attempt to do them.
1: But, um, so that writing process, is that like essentially like the primary way that you start kind of thinking about a new idea?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much the only <laughs> the <laughs> only way. It starts there. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't really do any, like, pre-drafts. I mean, I do work in Photoshop some a little bit, so Mm -hmm. I can I can get in Photoshop and kind of lay objects around and kind of decide how I like them or what objects might be good, especially as I'm getting into the piece Mm -hmm. and I want to keep adding, you know, like, what looks good where and stuff like that. And that came later. That came probably, I started probably doing that in, like, I don't know, maybe early 2018 bet mm-hmm. it, it made things go faster for me because <laughs> I used to paint them and then, you know, paint over them if I didn't like them. And it was like, now I can kind of get an idea of where I want things, you know, all digitally before I execute.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, it seems interesting because it's almost like an inventory of you know, like you kind of just described th- different things that you want to paint. And so there's, you know, sometimes some compositional devices, like you've got, you know, a table motif that kind of becomes reoccurring or a window. There's the the figurative that gets kind of, you know, changed and put in a different context. So it's interesting. It's almost like a, a grocery list, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's a reason behind that. Um, and that's because I have a full-time job. And it's like, it's hard to like, you got to be so fast to be productive with, you know, two two daughters, a stepdaughter, a girlfriend, Mm -hmm. a full-time job. (laughs) Sure, sure. You're just, so I'm like, okay, like I need to be organized. And it's like, I I create these, like, they're almost like templates Mm -hmm. that I can, you know, anytime I'm stuck or thinking about, well, I'll just do one of these so that I can be doing something instead of doing nothing.
1: (laughs) I mean, that totally makes sense.
0: And then, you know, those will usually lead me into something that isn't one of those. But the act of doing, I think, kind of, you know, fills our creative well and we we pull from it.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like, too, then, like when you're working through a painting, you know, there there are, you know, maybe moves that you put on it or you start kind of working through it and then kind of adjusting and, you know, thinking about it as, as you're developing it, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're living and breathing for sure. And as a <laughs> joke, I mean, there's some I probably would never touch, but, you know, as long as it's here and it's not sold,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: everything's fair game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mean in terms of, like, going back into it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: and and again, it's interesting because, like, you know, we were kind of describing some of those earlier instances and and whatnot. And, like, I'm looking at a painting now called uh, Get Out of Here, which is just a, a box, you know, from 2017. And it's really straightforward. But, again, it, it's got this really nice color usage and you know, it's just kind of interesting, but then you'll see that next to, you know, empties of uh, tequila bottles or, you know, just random objects. So, you know, like duct tape. Um <laughs> And so it's kind of interesting to, to scroll through a lot of these and to kind of see that exploration. Um Like you're saying though, I mean, it sounds like there's some instances where maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not working out and you just go back and paint over it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, paint, over it or add to it you know i've I've, there's been many times where i just like parts of it but the whole thing doesn't work for me as a whole so i'm like well what do i need to fix and now of course that's a lot easier too because i go into photoshop and i'm like let's mess around with the background and i can see like okay everything in the painting works if i just change either the background color or add a cool pattern or you know it feels like a fresh new painting just by a minor adjustment and you know when I said it was done originally Mm -hmm. there was a reason because I felt good about something you know and then looking at it it's over time there was parts that I didn't see that don't quite work but but overall it was good (laughs) it's just it needed to be tweaked and like you know you spend time away from it then you can come back and kind of see you know and 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 I approve improve as a painter right so if, if it was from two years ago I can go back and see things completely different than <laughs> sure, sure. be like, man, I can totally fix this now. You know?
1: <laughs> well, and you know, I've been kind of talking about some compositions, but like we talked initially about an older painting called a room with a view. And mm-hmm. that's kind of striking that it's one of the first paintings where we start seeing that window kind of motif. So maybe another one to talk about a little bit would be uh, bottled up, which is, you know, a couple of years later, but you kind of incorporate that, that window and some sort of object or some kind of setup. Is that something that like, again, you know, you were describing, like, is that something that you're kind of like, you know, running through a list in terms of like, you know, figuring out what you want to include in there. I mean, is there any kind of like visual, visualization kind of like happening in your head where you're like, Oh, I need to have it like it a night scene or.
0: So my thought with that was I was really focusing on the window and that bottled up painting and that, as I thought about, okay, we're inside this thing and we're looking out the window and we're kind of just stuck inside. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, you know, like a ship in a bottle is stuck inside. Sure. So, it's like, so like, you know, the title bottled up, what's bottled up is the ship bottled up or we bottled up. It's like You know, so when you, you change the view and you all of a sudden you realize, you realize, and you're not, you can't leave this space. That that was kind of what I was doing um, with that painting. Again, it was early on. So I don't know if I necessarily pulled it off. I think that that narrative was probably lost on a lot of people. It just looks <laughs> a nice, cute painting, I think.
1: Well, and is that something then where you kind of, you know, think about like different instances. So for example, like a, a painting that's around the same time as uh, farm fresh, which again, kind of incorporates that, that window idea. But I mean, like, are you imagining being in the Midwest or, uh, you know, maybe kind of guide us through that a little bit
0: by nature. I think it's just trying to go places that I don't normally go. I never traveled too much as a kid because uh, my dad was military and he was always traveling. And so when he came home, he wanted to stay home. Sure. So we we didn't really go anywhere. I became a person who was used to not going anywhere. I brought that into my life <laughs> um, just because I wasn't used to going places. So I never did. And then, of course, you know, getting strapped down, paying for Marshall Stacks or whatnot <laughs> will keep keep you at your job and at your desk. But uh, yeah, so like I just imagine like different scenes like that. And uh, I think that's what it's all about is kind of just sort of taking myself somewhere that I'm, I'm not <laughs> able to go.
1: No, I mean, that's an interesting kind of way to think about it, you know, especially because you're trying to come up with new compositions. And again, it's really interesting that idea of that tie in for you know, that narrative element and kind of like you were just describing in terms of like that progression where like, you know, every, you know, if you look back at a painting from two years ago, it kind of looks different. Um, I think even that's evident with that kind of way that you'll incorporate that, that window. Cause like, again, there's another, another painting from 2017 called Eventide, which again, you know, kind yeah. of, kind of builds on that idea even further, but then, you know, there's like a, a little bit more slickness in the landscape background. You know what I mean?
0: I was going to say, I'm actually working on one of those window series uh right now in 2021.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely like a <laughs> motif where you kind of go back through these cycles or, and I, again, I just get really drawn into that, you know, and you can imagine all sorts of ways to kind of come up with interesting compositions. I'm also kind of curious is the table thing, you know, something that they came about because I don't know. We always wake up next to a night table and there's always something on it or (laughs) I'm trying to think about that instance too, because that's another motif or or compositional thing that you use quite a bit that, you know, is really interesting. And and just like the windows kind of really kind of evolve and evolve and evolve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not really sure how it came about. Um, I know it was a simple way of just collecting objects, you know, because people put objects on tables or nightstands or whatnot. Again, like if you're familiar with my work, you see it's sort of organized. There's never a lot of overlapping. You know, I kind of just this here, this here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really simplistic and minimal. But Erica Hess sort of described it as using the table as a stage, Mm -hmm. which I really liked. Um, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it kind of is. And I, I think I'd agree with her assessment there that that's kind of what I'm doing. But to me, it was just the. The most convenient <laughs> way to collect objects.
1: Well, it's interesting because, like, again, I can look at a random one like a fishbowl from 2015. Again, like you're saying, you start kind of seeing these arrangements. And, you know, I guess to kind of describe it, there's a fishbowl sitting on like a turquoise table, there's a fly swatter keys. So it's kind of like you know, there's a number of these instances where you start kind of going like, what's going on here, which I think is, is kind of the point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, you know, again, this one might be lost on people, but the, the fish is like stuck inside mm-hmm. this bowl, you know, and with the irony of keys right next to him because with, when we have keys, it means we can leave.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure.
0: And and it, I guess the, the, the little, it, it's not a fly swatter. It's supposed to be the thing that gets pulled the fish out of the water.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. They, uh,
0: um, Uh, but that would be like his only way of getting out really, Right, Um, right. you know, it it was all sort of just kind of, you know, making fun of the fish because he's stuck there.
1: (laughs) Well, and again, kind of like the, the ship in the bottle or kind of like how I feel, you know, surrounded by (laughs) piles of snow that you can't see behind when you're kind of like leaving your parking lot.
0: Right. Or how we all feel right now in the middle of a pandemic where we can't go anywhere.
1: I think absolutely. And people are starting to kind of lose it, I think, but that's maybe for another episode <laughs> <laughs> right. to, to kind of think about this painting a little bit more too, the, the fishbowl painting, you know, in terms of like things like how you decide, you know, what colors you're going to use, things like that. Is that something then that's kind of, you know, like you're going to start out, you know, painting, you draw it out and then just, you know, commit to a color or,
0: well, it's different now than it was then. Um, then I was still kind of, uh, just pulling from other artists. So I believe that there's, a Matisse painting that uses that color pretty much spot on, mm-hmm. and then uh, the bowl was based on a Gary Bunt. So I was still early on in it. Not, like now, I'm I'm much more skilled about mixing color. I'm much more in tune about like eyeing and knowing what color I want. And again, if if I'm really struggling, I can just get into my digital uh, Photoshop's or my iPad kind of mess around back then it was just you know sort of ripping off people
1: <laughs> <laughs> to think about one that's maybe a little bit later and maybe i don't know if this is something that you would describe as uh feeling ripped off but like gerbiling from 2017 again kind of incorporates a table but you know almost looks like a again the closed window there's like you know interesting kind of design in the background is one of these kind of, kind of one that you're kind of building out more or you know feel like you're taking more ownership of
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there wasn't any particular reference to a certain artist in that piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was around the time where I started looking at online images. You know, I would look up, okay, well, what do gerbil cages look like and stuff like that. And so I would just, you see a million different colors, right? But what's going to work for your theme? Mm -hmm. That's where I start to hone, you know, you can find the image or an image of what you want, but, um, you know, it's basically just thumbing through things. I don't want it to look not real but i don't also want to (laughs) it's not realism so yeah
1: is that something where um you primarily work based off of photos as opposed to like again there's some like say the mcdonald's bag that's a little older but i mean like i would i think some people might assume kind of coming to your work like okay these are all just things that are lying around gabe's house you know
0: no none of it's lying around. interesting (laughs) there's there's (laughs) a there's one thing i painted that is the lamp in my painting, "The Last Word," which is a pretty popular piece for me. It's like the red background with the one of the table series. That lamp is actually a lamp I bought
1: on Etsy, and it's actually in my house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, everything else is just stuff I've uh, referenced online.
1: Yeah. Well, and again, it's interesting to think about that in terms of just the way that you're constructing it and kind of working through it. I'm curious, like, are there other are areas that we wouldn't maybe expect that you pull from? I mean, obviously, you know, you're interested in kind of creating this narrative, but I mean, there's also a lot of humor in it. So, I mean, I wasn't sure if like, you know, you're thinking in any, anything about like pop culture references or, you know, like there's some that are suggestive of uh, crime scenes almost, or, you know, things like that. But I'm curious how that playfulness kind of slowly evolved as well. Is there like maybe a piece that would highlight that?
0: When you go back to, I guess probably the work I was doing in the 2017 time Mm -hmm. around the gerbiling and I was thinking about the whole Richard Gere myth, you know, (laughs) that, uh, you know, so that, uh, I guess that's, I don't know if you call that pop culture, but, (laughs) but yeah, I think about that stuff. I was watching a lot of news back then. So, you know, I have that painting matchmaker, which is the chloroform. You know, that, that was around the time that Cosby was mm-hmm. doing his thing. And, and you know, the, the penis jokes and the Weinstein stuff was going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't really watch the news anymore, David, because <laughs> it got really depressing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I understand completely. Um,
0: but, yeah, all that stuff was kind of creeping in, uh, whether I wanted it to or not. It worked because the theme of the show that I had for the, all that work was called Americalia. Mm-hmm. And it, it went over pretty well. It, was a, it had a solid show at uh, Bravenly Programs in New York. And it was neat, but that was then, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, things things definitely have changed. Obviously, a lot of spaces are, you know, closing or, you know, closed, you know, temporarily or moving locations. So definitely something that's evolving. Really interesting just to kind of see the evolution, too, of the work, you know, because you look like maybe like a year later, a painting called Honker which, again, kind of has that design element in the background. But, again, the it just seems like on another level, you know, like you keep raising the bar, raising the bar, which, you know, I think is pretty natural. But maybe tell us a little bit about this painting.
0: Every time I get an opportunity, I sort of raise the bar, right? <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, I better bring my A game. Mm-hmm. So every time that happens, like, I I tend to just get really fanatic about what I'm going to do next. hmm you know, I I had the story thing down, but I was, you know, I was kind of being quick with the brushes and stuff like that. The honker, you could see, I was a little more mindful of the design um, of matching the colors nicely of getting the patterns, right. of really kind of getting, you know, I was, I was using my hard edge painting techniques, not just on the pattern itself, but actually on the objects. Mm -hmm. So like I, I would do a lot of taping off of the objects. I know, I, there's a lot of artists I've discovered. I kind of thought I was cheating, but then <laughs> there's a lot of artists I've discovered that do uh, similar type things, and they actually make this. I was using just painters tape, you know, and cutting it to the shape. But apparently, uh, you can buy these clear sheets of tape and cut them out. <laughs> sure,
1: like sure. Stuff, stuff I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it sounds like something that that evolved as well. Then I'm assuming, like you were, you know, maybe talking about you know painting quickly. So now you're kind of utilizing more tools. Are there are there more I guess, tools in your toolbox now?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm mindful of growing and I'm getting more comfortable on what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Honker is scaled up a little bit, so it made it a little easier. If you go back and you look at the 2017 stuff, really gerbiling, that was toward the end of 2017. And then there were some in 2018 that were, I was that was my first scaling up. Because prior to that, they were all like little 12 by 12s because you know, I was not a representational painter and then suddenly I am, and I needed to build a portfolio. <laughs> sure. Sure. And the, and the quickest way to do that is to make small paintings. Um,
1: well, and I remember, you know, I think maybe pretty common phrasing of uh you know you have to make 200 bad paintings before you can make a good one Least. I, I don't i don't know if that's the exact number but you know the idea of kind of being able to work through a lot of them you know totally makes sense and it obviously gives you the the control the confidence the tools to kind of you know create something like the one that we're kind of just you know talking about to again just kind of get real specific about that honker painting the kind of like colors all that is like kind of collage from different photos or kind of put together from different photos
0: the first thing I did was I decided, okay, I need a table that's a lighter color
1: <laughs> than the
0: other tables I've been painting. You know, I made that up, and then I worked around it, right? So I'm like, okay, let's just do like a, wouldn't that be like a maple type wood looking table, blonde, if you will. And then after that, I'm like, well, what, you know, realistically, what works with this theme? And, then, you know, that, that's that's kind of how I was... The background came later, you know, and of course, you know, there's a bunch of plays, you know, the the ball gag, and then you know the the, the idea that um it's a a gag, like a gag joke, mm-hmm. and then you know the harlequin pattern <laughs> for, for someone who jokes around, and so there's all sorts of underlying tie-ins to like the theme of gag. <laughs> be a a director you know the humor side of it
1: well and i like you know obviously there's like a nice kind of complementary color scheme you know in terms of the yellow and the kind of violet color the background and so i'd imagine too as you're kind of going through these there's instances where you're doing that maybe like another one is um aftermath which is again just got tons of these really neutral kind of like floorboard type pieces in it i would imagine you were very strong at math is that correct? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, it was a stronger subject. I wouldn't say I'm strong at it anymore, but um, yeah, I, I was at the time.
1: <laughs> Sorry, it's going to sound super random. Is it like a period of time in the day where you, where these things kind of occur to you in terms of like a composition or an idea?
0: It's really who my influences are at the time, you know. And, I, and when I was doing that piece, I was sort of longing for my old abstract days. Mm-hmm. And you can see anything from the aftermath time period that really came like is really the last word in aftermath those paintings were pretty much back to back um that 's when I started going, "Hey, I can take my old hard edge techniques and apply them to this representational work and and I got really precise so that to me, when I look at that aftermath painting that 's a geometric abstract painting. <laughs> You know, I mean, yeah, there's representational aspects, but it's pretty much every technique I would have used in my hard edge abstract work. It's just, you know, and I was thinking about the works of Rothko, you know, how he does the three colors mm-hmm. and I really love the work of uh, Agnes Martin because mm-hmm. her stuff is just, it's, it's very soothing. It's super calm. It's, you know, there's almost nothing there. It's very quiet, I guess. Is the, You know, and, and, at the time, then I was still watching the news and there was like mm-hmm. these, uh, a lot of shootings were back in the news a lot because they were happening a lot at that period. School shootings and, you know, just nightclub shootings and shootings everywhere. Mm-hmm. everyone shooting everybody. So that that's kind of I just wanted something to calm the noise, <laughs> really. And that that's kind of what that was for me as a meditative. Just get back to my roots and, and you know, just be calm. I think it it seems like a quiet painting to me.
1: Well, and I'm curious, you know, to kind of think about maybe another track is, is this, you know, portrait. Is this like a stand-in for you, this figurative kind of motif that gets explored, or? <laughs>
0: uh, it could be. <laughs> yeah, no. I, you know, I was getting pigeonholed into being a still-life painter, which you know, I embrace. I love doing still-life, but I'm like, is that all I can do? Am I just a one-trick pony? So, I was looking for, well, how do I do figurative, what would be interesting? And I think my thought with the way the guy is was just, you know, I'm always working in this square canvas because, you know, Instagram did that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Originally all you could have was square. (laughs) Sure, sure. I've broken away from that some, but I still love the square, you know? And so like it, it was really just getting the figure to look like he fits almost solely in that space, but is sort of confined by the edges of that space. I don't don't know if it's me or not, but that's where that came from. And, you know, that's kind of what I've been working off of.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I would imagine then just kind of jumping around, you know, between the different ways that you're working. You know, it allows you a lot of flexibility to to try out different things. And, you know, another kind of area that maybe we have kind of glossed over a little bit is the, you know, inclusion of the, the paintings of the, uh, f- you know, floral forms, plant forms and stuff like that. What got you interested in that?
0: They're all just matters of progression, right? Mm-hmm. 2018, I was like, okay, I need to learn how to paint wood. and there's wood on here right so I'm like okay and then 2019 was like okay I need to learn how to paint paint plants paint plants those are all just things that I'm challenging myself with to become a better painter you know because like I said I never really did representational and they they actually turn out pretty good my first plant painting was I think trio Mm you know I was definitely looking at photo reference and it's not as naive you know you got to do them different ways you know do i like to plant this way do i like it this way like i mean i i kind of teeter on a little bit of realism with a little bit of you know
1: the uh, what do you call it <laughs> flatness or abstraction yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm curious too like are you using like a lot of different mediums and you know kind of things for your background so for example like i don't know this one called a uh, prickly pear for example but it looks like there's like various tools and other things that you might be using or i don't i don't know
0: yeah so um for those works there wasn't too much going on with those other than if you look at the wood section mm-hmm. i was using a charcoal pencil and then glazing over it so like you see the lines i think Pretty good on prickly pear. You see the lines in the table, I would just use a straight edge and a pencil and go, and then I would sort of put a glaze over it, and so they just ended up looking like lines in the wood. Sometimes I actually, you know, will grab a comb or something and scrape that into the paint. So, yeah, I mean, I do use mixed media on some. You know, I tend to use like resin sand, I tend to use like modeling paste, and then uh, just acrylic paints sometimes. Char- charcoal pencils, grease pencils, no more oil paints. I got an, I got an allergy to that. So those oh. are gone. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's almost like a thing, you know, eventually you have to retire from oil painting. Maybe I'm totally making that up, but I feel like a lot of people move on from it, you know, cause it could be so toxic.
0: Yeah. And I was naive and I, you know, let myself get poisoned once and
1: I ended up on the floor, like doing a little convulsion
0: thing and, Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was a dumb a dumb painter. <laughs> so
1: so not an exciting studio afternoon. Nah. But you know, again, and it's interesting, you know, when we think back about some of the names that pop out, you know, like you obviously mentioned De Corn and uh, Picasso and Matisse, you know, is that real sense of flat space. But it's so interesting because you can keep playing around with those narratives in different ways. Whereas like, you know, rather than just arranging things on a table, you know, there's a painting from 2019 called spin that I think is super funny, but you know, referencing spin the bottle, of course, but I just love that flatness. Is that something that again, you just, you're just really drawn to that kind of aesthetic.
0: I think so. I think most of the art I like sort of has that aesthetic. So yeah, it's just something I gravitate to perspective is neat, but I like (laughs) sort of, a warp perspective you know i see things the way they are all day long so i want to look at things the way i don't normally see them <laughs> sure, and that's sure. kind of what i'm what i'm trying to do you know people used to make fun of me about telling me that all my objects would fall off the table and blah blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny the things people will say on social media
1: yeah well i mean again i, I don't know that i'd pay too much attention it's not exactly the, the best <laughs> place to have a conversation well, so I especially want to focus a little bit on some recent paintings and one that stands out to me that seems highly evolved and kind of combining a number of different ideas that we've talked about is in deep, which, again, maybe a <laughs> kind of like menacing a story or narrative kind of in this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you haven't put it together yet, aftermath was the template for in deep, which is, you know, the next series <laughs> that I'm starting you know it's the floor and the wall and the you know flat floor flat wall so that's what th- those two paintings have in common I've got another one I'm working on I had another one that I did that I don't love that's probably going to get changed but yeah th- that'll be a whole series in itself yeah that painting like I did the floor and the background and then it just kind of sat there I was thinking that maybe it was going to be a fishing shack or mm-hmm. I really spent I think I spent like almost a year (laughs) just not knowing what that painting was going to be. Cause I never liked making it too quaint. Mm -hmm. It felt like it needed to be something different. And then I had this other painting that uh, was funny called spring cleaning. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's kind of a parody of like, you know, the it's a lady standing with a shovel that sort of looks like the grant wood thing, but not, really but you know i'm still pulling from monday and the eyes so it's it's old and it's but the narrative in it like she was standing there with a the shovel with this pile of dirt behind her and so it, you know spring cleaning and it, the pile of dirt was shaped like a body would be so like yeah, haha but like it wasn't ever a good enough painting for me to go anywhere with that narrative so i felt like I never got to use that narrative the way I wanted to and tell the story I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so once, once I thought about that, then this painting started to come together, you know, I was like, okay, well, here's my shovel. <laughs> uh, here's the dirt, you know, <laughs> you know, then what was going on? Okay. Well, uh, you know, it, it, the more I thought about it, you know, the, the darker it gets, but it's kind of a really dark theme, but the paintings kind of, I don't know. I mean, I don't, don't want to say the word pretty, but I mean, it's a nice, you know, looking painting aesthetic.
1: It's interesting how quiet it is, you know, in terms of like you're kind of describing, you've got some color palettes where you've got like that screaming, you know, cad red, you know, right. background. And then you've got this one where you've got all of these really subtle kind of shifts of the colors and the shadows. And so I totally get that, you know, so it's an interesting way to kind of combine those two things, you know, something that looks kind of like light and tranquil, but then obviously, you know, what what's going on with these handcuffs, <laughs> you know, somebody, right. somebody escapes, somebody get buried, you know, I mean, again, it kind of becomes uh, menacing like some of the other ones, but again, still very playful. And maybe you've Kind of alluded to this a little bit too, but it sounds like then part of the thing is you start working on something and then you know you get maybe stuck and then move on to something else before you know a year later you're like, oh, I got to paint a shovel in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything's a template, right? I mean, I have a ton of canvases that are just setups for other things that I don't even know what they're going to be yet. You know, I've got some nice landscape stuff going on that I it's got to become something, but I don't know what it's gonna be. Like, I have so many works in progress. I mean, and that that's another thing I do is if I'm stuck and I can't make a painting per se, I just paint to make something that can become a painting later on. <laughs> sure, sure. So so I'll have a well, I call them setups, but I'm just setting up for future successes <laughs> essentially.
1: And I could imagine that, you know, because there's, again, a recent painting called Problem Addict, and I could imagine, like, you, you know, painting a background and then adding a table and then being like, what do I want on this table, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that, you know, that was a table setup. I knew it was going to be a table painting. I don't, I didn't know when I painted the table or in the background what it was going to (laughs) be at all. I didn't have any theme or, you know. And eventually when that, the guy who's really bad at jigsaw puzzles who needs to cut his pieces and tape them down and hammer them (laughs) when that when that theme came up i was like oh yeah that's perfect because you know there's a lot of objects that are going to go with this story so i need a you know a a rather large space to collect those on and that was perfect for that so
1: and obviously the staple gun because that's effective (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah blue we got it all man
1: (laughs) Well, it, like I said, and it's really interesting because you'll have, you know, something like that, you know, and then I know another recent painting that I've seen quite a bit of, I think recently on Instagram is the, uh, the cans painting. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about this one. Cause it's again, one of the more recent ones, but I mean, I don't know. I'm just fascinated about how you kind of get your narratives.
0: So this is one where I told you it just happens off the cuff. I had no idea what I was doing. It's just a, it's a 36 by 36 large canvas. The only thing I was pulling from is that trio painting. I kind of liked the way the table sort of floated Mm -hmm. in the center. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll do that. But my thought here was, you know, I was doing a lot of that really tight, tight geometric work. And, you know, I love loose painters. I'm not one, (laughs) but I love them and I want to be one or or be able to be one. So I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go fast and loose and just see what I can do. And that was the whole goal of this piece was just to be fast and loose. And, you know, I think the can was something that was just easy to paint. It's like a cup, right? You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. okay, well, cans are cool. They have patterns on them. They're, you know, stripes, you know, and it was just, you know, here's one, here's another. And then, okay, well, once you're, you have about three and I don't actually know where the You know, the lowbrow little boob joke humor when that actually came into play. (laughs) um, I I guess like as the painting was progressing, you know, that sort of came into my head, but it sort of just painted itself, you know, and then the background. What do you do that's interesting? Well, I'll just write the word cans Mm -hmm. a bunch of times and then sort of do glazing over top of it to kind of mute it out
1: <laughs> sorry i would imagine you find like ideas too in the studio as you're working like there's another one called church which clearly has like a crucifix kind of reference just imagining that you're in the studio one day and you look over and you're like huh. you know like, yeah. like that that's just that initial kind of like observation that you're like oh that's that could be a good painting i mean is that the case or
0: yeah, that was a- actually absolutely staring at me. My easel—that actually <laughs> is my easel. <laughs> it's right, right. One of the few times I actually painted something that is a real object in my house. But yeah, you know, it's like the feeling of I'm here. The studio is my church. You know, it's where I find my sanctuary. But also, you're just staring back at it with no ideas.
2: <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> it's like I'm here, but why am I here? You know, and then you start to think, you know, am I getting what I need from my sanctuary? And you know, there's a lot of thoughts with it being empty. It's it's good and bad.
1: Well, and I guess something that we haven't talked too much about, like relative to time. I mean, it sounds like some of them, you know, you kind of have a plan that you're working through. Some of them you kind of put on the back burner and kind of add back into it. But, you know, just a random one here down and out, which is, uh, you know, somebody who maybe passed away or suggesting passed away. Cause there's a toe tag in these feet, you know, how much time do you think you know, it takes you to kind of put that together. I mean, is it kind of months in terms of working on it in stages or?
0: No, and I I tell you what happened with that one is I abandoned what I was going to do, although I'm seriously considering going back to it. (laughs) (laughs) So like that one had a plan and then I abandoned it because I kind of liked the painting as it was before Mm I finished with the initial plan. But so, yeah, it's just, you know, looking at stuff and painting it. But um, the plan was, to have that dude with a, a Lego imprint on his foot mm-hmm. <laughs> so that there would be the humor of the, you know, he met his demise by stepping on a Lego because, you know, every parent has stepped on that. Le- that's like one of the most painful. <laughs> <things>. <laughs> yeah. I kind of abandoned it, but you know, the more I think about it, I'm like, man, I should probably, just. I mean, no one wants a, just a dead body <laughs> without a little humor.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, and again, that that's something that becomes so apparent, you know, like that sense of humor. But it's interesting because it kind of balances out with, you know, so many of your other compositions and, and arrangements. So it's kind of an interesting mix. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's something that makes it really exciting for you so that you don't feel like. Oh, right. Like you said earlier, like I'm the still life guy, you know, or something like that. So you can kind of move on to like, oh, you know, I haven't done one of these in a while. Let's see what I can add to this window or, you know, whatnot.
0: Right. I'm just having fun with it. I mean, the the goal is, you know, can I make something that I like and I enjoy it? I'm much more comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. these days. So I'm, I'm confident in what I'm doing. I'm confident when I'm going into a painting that I'm going to make it a good painting. That's a huge accomplishment <laughs> to get to that stage in your game. So, so it's good. I'm in a good place.
1: It's interesting to me, the more recent works, how they kind of combine all those things that we've talked about. You know, there's a painting called A Game of Chance that has this super flat and tight, you know, design aspect of it and the curtain and the, you know, windowsill, the white on white wood and all that. And then you have all this subtle kind of texture of water, waves, sky. But again, it's just really interesting to kind of see that, that shift, you know, g- going back to you know, like I think you were saying like 2013 or 2010, maybe, you know, like when you started working representationally. So again, to kind of see that evolution is so interesting. And again, this is one that's super mysterious to me too. It's, it's interesting, the color palette and everything.
0: I think, you know, the narrative here is, you know, we hear a lot about hurricanes, not so much here in Austin, but you know, because Houston's our neighbor. And I think so that it impacts Texas quite a bit, you know, and being close to Louisiana, we always hear about the stuff that's hitting up on their borders as well. So I think about these people that just ride out the storm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Sure. Um, and you know, and then like, okay, well, that that's just a game of chance. You know, they're putting in their faith and just everything's going to be okay. And you know, I might be one of those people too. I don't know if I lived <laughs> there, would I be that way? Am I, you know, because I probably would. I thought everything was going to be okay with oil painting, and then I poisoned myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, but it is a game of chance, you know, and then of course, so is burning a candle next to curtains and, you know, that's another (laughs) little (laughs) hubris thing, but yeah.
1: Well, so we were talking about this earlier. There's a pandemic obviously that we've been in for, I guess, a year now, almost what kind of things have you got on the horizon? Have you been working a lot towards like upcoming shows and things like that?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of been my end game. Um, a lot of what I was doing in, uh, 2020 it became virtual shows, which, you know, th- those experiences, like, although I appreciate them, I was hitting a lot of goals mm-hmm. uh, that they, they weren't 100 percent the way I imagined them to be. Like, for instance, I was accepted into New American Paintings, mm-hmm. which was awesome. i had been trying like, you know, several times. I think eight was the magic number. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got, got in and then uh, because of the pandemic, they didn't print the book. Oh, wow.
1: So I don't have the book that stinks.
0: i've got a bunch of them i collected them for years but i don't have the one with me in it so
1: come on numeric and painter come
0: on <laughs> yeah so i gotta try again it's like starting over <laughs> got into a show at craighead green and that ended up just being virtual so you know the gallery owners never got work in hand they didn't see it i was in a bowery gallery show um, which was super cool happy to be in it but again just virtual so They've never seen my work in hand. And from what I gather, my work translates way better in person than it does in photographs. So it's really important for me to get the work into people's hands. Um, cause that's usually when I'm offered things, <laughs> opportunities. So that's that's been the goal. Twenty twenty one's kind of been uh, a, a game changer because I, a lot of good things started to fall in place. I got invited to a uh, group show at Hashimoto Contemporary in New York City. And that was, I think that took place in February, but it was a physical show online too, but physical. So they got the work in hand and, uh, you know, immediately, I think they sold one even before the show opened. And then they offered me um, a opportunity to have a two-person show with Karen Letterer, who's a Brooklyn-based artist. So that's coming up now in uh, March. I believe it opens March 20th. So that's that's kind of what I've been working up to. I think all the paintings are now selected and done. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just looking forward to the date and shipping all the artwork up there, physical show so people can make appointments and go see it. You know, I'll I'll miss the opening reception and hearing feedback from the audience. And, you know, that's, that's the thing I never get anymore is I don't know how people are responding to my work because I don't experience that anymore. And neither do, does anyone really. <laughs> and that's that's tough.
1: <laughs> I would imagine, like, again, that obviously, you know, that'll kind of draw some people in and you'll get some great feedback. But remind us, what, what are the dates for that again?
0: It is March 20th. Through April
1: 10th. Awesome. Tell everybody again where the best places to kind of get a hold of you and and see what you're doing are.
0: I keep my website up to date religiously. So uh, GabeLangholz.com. You can always find out everything there. And then for like, if you want to watch progress shots, I share like pretty much everything I do in progress shots
2: Mm -hmm.
0: at GabeLangholzArt on Instagram, GabeLangholzArt on Facebook. I'm pretty much everywhere. I don't (laughs) use Twitter Twitter that much, but (laughs) I'm there, but I don't use it as much. Yeah. That's um, me too. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, again, it's been so awesome talking about your work and and really exciting stuff. So thanks so much for doing this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. David. Um, I hope to talk to you about your work one day. Cause I really like it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I I can relate to it quite a bit. So,
1: well, and you know, again, that's kind of odd, you know, that you say that because, you know, you talked about kind of being uncomfortable about being a representational painter. I mean, your story is basically my story. You know, I was always around people that were super abstracted, you know, and that's kind of what I was drawn into and did that for a long time before I reluctantly became like a, a representational painter. So (laughs) it's been, been fun talking to you.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Thanks so much to Gabe for joining me. Check out his work at GabeLangholz.com and follow him on social media. That's Gabe Langholz Art on Instagram, Twitter, you name it. So be sure to say hello and follow him. He has a two-person exhibition coming up with Karen Letterer at Hashimoto Contemporary in New York, March 20th through April 10th. And Karen's a fantastic painter as well, so definitely check that out. The show is by appointment, so definitely visit their website for more information. If you enjoy listening to podcasts while you're working away in the studio, definitely head on over to SeaBreak.com. We've got a bunch of different interviews there that you can check out. Recent interviews with printmaker Sean Caulfield, installation artist Isadora Stowe, as well as painter Jennifer Small, who's fantastic. Erica B. Hess from I Like Your Work podcast is also a fantastic painter. Mitchell Johnson, who you should definitely follow. So once again, check them all out at StudioBreak.com. Each of those interviews have images of their work and links to their website so you can find out all about them. And of course, listen right there in the default player or click those links and subscribe to the podcast so you've always got that studio companion and things to think about while you're working away in the studio. Studio Break is on social media, so be sure to follow us. You can find our page on Facebook. Please like it. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break. And, of course, follow us on Instagram, at Studio Underscore Break, and say hello. It's been so nice hearing from listeners lately, so thanks once again to Kate Boyd. That's at Kate Boyd Artist. so glad that you enjoy the podcast. Scott Dixon, at State of Scott. Follow them on Instagram. And as Gabe said in the interview, definitely check out Kate Sable's work on Instagram as well. Fantastic painter. Music today by the temporarily named Remedial Indie Band, which features Ben Cohan on drums. That's M. Ben Cohan Studio, Brett Beery on bass, at Brett Beery, and myself on guitar. It's a newer project, and I want to thank Gabe for the encouragement. We're just throwing out some new ideas that we're working on in the intro and outro, so hope you dig that, Gabe. And aside from those musical notes, I hope that you're out there listening and enjoy the podcast. Once again, make sure to say hello. Always great to hear from listeners. And if you dig it, please just help us spread the word. It's always great when people find us. So thanks so much for sharing and staying in touch, saying hello. I hope that you're having a fantastic, productive time in the studio, making cool work. We'll talk to you real soon.